it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Look, dude. You want me to take you to the wire? I want an explanation. I saw a sequence of events. Things that are gonna happen. What'd you see? It was... It was like I saw a jigsaw puzzle. Only I didn't have the picture in the box, so I don't know how the pieces fit exactly, but... But one of the pieces, the first one... It was you pulling the cable out of the sand. So what are the other pieces? I tell you that. It'll change the picture in the box. So what? Isn't that the point? Preventing something bad? Not this time. So you're not trying to stop something from happening. You actually want it to happen. More than anything. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we yet again continue our journey into the third season of the series. I am one of your hosts, Ben. And I am your other one of your hosts, Kristen. This week, we dive even deeper down into season three, this time with episode, it's 617, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Episode 17, Catch 22. (laughs) I updated that in in our... our, uh... Our agenda, I guess you didn't see it. No, sir. It's not <laughs> updated on mine. Oh. And it even said guest is here. Oh, that's odd. Uh, oh, maybe because I have to sign in on my end. Anyway, we're digressing and we're pulling back the curtain a little too far. Um, yeah. So continue on episode 17, catch 22. Uh, before we dive into that, though, um, let's talk about what's on the agenda for next week because I'm excited for this. Next week, it's going to be fun. Uh, We're taking a break from the breakdowns of the episodes to bring you a special episode. Uh, And that's the first interview with a cast member from the show. Uh, That being Tom Friendly himself, Mr. MC Ganey. Yay! is, is, Is coming on the podcast. I know I had him on the Spotlight podcast last week. Um, And hopefully, and I posted that conversation in the feed with the the other podcasts for lost so hopefully some of the listeners got to hear that uh and they know what they're in store for when it comes to talking to mc because he is a riot he is a lot of fun he looks like the kind of guy that i want to like have wrap me up in a big bear hug he's actually not as big as he used to be he actually told me when we talked on the spotlight, he's down to like a size 36 belt, which is what I am. Yeah. He's lost a ton of weight and it's because he's actually a longtime vegan, had no idea. And we, you talked, know what? we talked about that too. Ryan Hurst is a vegan as well. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
he's a vegan and he's an animal lover. And you know what? For somebody that wants to talk to Ryan Hurst as bad as you do, you I should know. learn some more about him. <laughs> no, this is the same person who didn't realize until about a month and a half ago, two months ago, he's the quarterback from Remember the Titans. You know what? When you told me that, I wanted to actually like strangle you through the phone. I figured you did. <laughs> I, I, a number of people did. I, I've had a number of people for as big of a cinephile as I am. I had a number of people say like, you just now figured that out. The fact that you said cinephile is hilarious. <laughs> Why is that hilarious? I'm a cinephile. It's like, it just, it's, it's just a term. It's just it's, funny. It's a movie lover. It's what I am. <laughs> I love movies. You can call yourself a movie junkie like the rest of us. <laughs> Pop culture junkie. There you go. There we go. Pop culture junkie, pop culture guru. Um, and hey, I don't know if I brought, did I bring up my prize last week and the last episode of Lost? Nope. I don't think I did. And I'm really excited about it because it kind of relates a little bit to this podcast in that, um, you know, the topic of pop culture junkie, I participated in a Back to the Future trivia contest uh, last Friday. Uh, and I won, like I dominated the contest and I won a trip. Like I got to pick one of 50 destinations and the destination I picked was Hawaii. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think you did pick, you did talk about that. I couldn't I remember. Thought you meant that we were having some sort of a prize on, on the podcast. I was interested in what you were about to say. <laughs> oh no, no, no. But I, when I talked to MC Ganey about the trip, to, winning the trip to Hawaii, cause that's where Lost was filmed. He's like, Oh, you, you want to go to Oahu? He said, because that's where everything for Lost was filmed. So that I'm definitely going to take a charter plane. Depending on where I am, I'm going to take a charter over to Oahu and check out some sites, which would be really cool. Excellent. So let's dive into the episode, shall we? Yes, uh, we epi- shall. Episode 17, Catch 22, a Desmond flashback, which are always fun episodes and this is another episode of that series. Like last week, we said it was pretty straightforward. This week, not as straightforward because there's a lot of jumping around. Well, I love the title just because, you know, it's, you know, Catch-22 is, is you know, a theme like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And no-win situation. Is a no-win damn. situation, yep. exactly. And uh, Desmond finds himself in no-win situation after no-win situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and, and it seems that so does Charlie. Well, Charlie's another one that, you know, he's another one of these characters in the show now that were, you know, as first-time viewers, we, you start to realize that, like, you start to wonder, can Charlie be saved? And as, re- as revisit watchers as we are, we know for a fact there's no there's no saving Charlie. Like he is, he's damned at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of when is it going to happen and what's the final turnout. And, you know, as we find out, it's a sad turnout and we're getting very close to that point, but there was, it, it, it wasn't so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it wasn't as much of a throwaway death or, or a mistake as like an arrow to the neck would have been. It turns out to be a sacrifice, oh. um, you know, in, in the end. And we'll get to that when we get to that episode. We're only Which is also away. very thematic of this entire season. There's a lot of sacrifice um, themes going on this season. And I, and I think that they really highlight that, that theme in this episode. In fact, um, 
<clears throat> excuse me, they even, I even put on my little post-it that I wanted to talk about, look, sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm glad that, you, that you've already brought that up just because I think that Charlie and Desmond, uh, even Jack and Sawyer and Kate, I mean, and um, Juliet, I mean, these are all characters that have had to make some pretty significant sacrifices this season so far. And as we get to the end of this season, you'll see how, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how all of these sacrifices culminate into the ultimate sacrifice that Charlie makes at the end of the season, which is really terrible. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It it seems like an overarching theme for this season is sacrifice. I mean, you you said you said it yourself. You know, Juliet made the sacrifice of of seeing initially of of seeing her pray of uh, of leaving her sister who was pregnant at the time mm-hmm. to go to the island. So she sacrificed family. Jack sacrificed, um, you know, basically his friends to go home at one point. Even though I think it was in Jack's mind he would return to rescue. So, um, you know, I mean, and Jack has made multiple sacrifices throughout. I I don't know if you would agree with, with that. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely agree with that. I think that he sacrificed, he's sacrificed a lot of his relationships and he's even burned some bridges back at the beach. Yeah. Um, you know, there's also the fact that Juliet has sacrificed her, um, kind of her stature with the others. She sacrificed her dignity and her integrity by being um, a mole um, and, and kind of presenting herself as somebody that she's not within the, the losties camp for right now. I mean, we know that that's going to change, but for right now, you know, for this woman of, of truth and science and honor, she's really kind of taken a right turn right now, which is interesting. Um, You know, and then, you look at Charlie, Charlie's going to eventually sacrifice his life. And I think ultimately he does it to save Claire and Aaron. I, I think that he would do it for everybody else, but it was probably his decision to really make sure that Claire and Aaron would be taken care of. And then Desmond. So this is a Desmond episode. So we're going to talk about Desmond probably a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, there, there's obviously some B story in this episode and we'll, we'll get to a little bit of that, but Desmond <clears throat> is the meat of this episode. And what a great, wow, what a great episode to really highlight the complexity of his character. You know, um, something that I found really interesting and I'm just going to jump right into kind of the middle part of the episode. Go for it. Um, when he has the conversation with what's her name, uh, his ex, I don't think I wrote her down. Um, her name down. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I think, uh, Ruth, Ruth was her name. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Yes, because we had Ruth and we had um, Naomi and their biblical characters. Anyways, um, so when he goes to Ruth to go try and explain himself, it's interesting to me that the first thing people always talk about when people leave, uh, when people abruptly cancel a wedding is the cost of the wedding. Well, this, this, this was already paid for. How could you do this? We had every, you know, everybody already paid their money and blah, blah, blah. It's not about the fact that somebody made an extremely difficult decision and and the fact that you know emotions were broke uh were were kind of i I don't know how best to say this, but people are more concerned with how how did this affect me and my wallet than how did this affect me and my heart and for a woman that was just left at the altar who knows how i mean it looks like it was what 
maybe six weeks ago because he took a vow of silence for a month. And yeah. then he and then he came back to explain himself right after he was finished with that. Um, you know, she the first thing she wants to talk to him is not about how she feels, but about what it cost her parents. And I'm not sure that that really says to me that she really cared about being married to him as much as it was about the humiliation and the fact that her parents were financially at stake for the wedding. I don't know. I mean, I've just noticed this trend. Like a lot of people, whether it's in movies or out of movies or something like that, the first thing people talk about when when a situation like this happens with with people leaving a wedding is is the cost, is the monetary cost of of that decision. Well, I mean, isn't it kind of funny too, and not to dive into too much of a political statement, but isn't that kind of funny how that's kind of reflective of real life right now? Well, that's, I think uh, that, uh, but that is my point. It, it, it's not, and that's not political. That's just, that's the, that's American nature. And it's funny that they made it also Scottish nature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, cause you know, we're in a point right now, you know, with, you know, with everything going on is that, you know, it, the health and well-being of every person in this country, let alone on the planet, is at risk. But the biggest concern is money, is opening up the, the country and the states so that people can get back to work and start making money. Right, right. So and Money he- trumps all at this point. And that, that's, you're right. That's kind of what it seemed like. I, I, think, I think you're right. I think if there was more of an emotional connection between Ruth and Desmond, she would have been more concerned about her feelings emotionally than what it cost her parents. For well, because think about it. Desmond left Penny to go prove himself to get the acceptance of Penny's father, and which Penny, is what, how he ended up on that Island. And yeah. she spared no expense to find him. She risked everything she to risked find him. Literally everything to find him because she loved him that much. And he risked, he risked the potential of, of, accidentally or knowingly getting Charlie killed in order to find her in the jungle, thinking that she was the pilot. They both risked everything to find each other. Right. And Ruth is sitting here in her little, you know, uh, modest Scottish home going, well, this is, you know, my parents paid a lot of money for this and I can't believe that you would do this after everybody paid this money. It's not like you broke my heart. You broke my heart, and why did he do that? So clearly that wasn't who he was supposed to end up with, and I think that, oh. that you know, it's just interesting to see the path and how money really is kind of highlighted in you can either use that money to find somebody and say, F it, this is who I love, this is who I want to go after, or you can use it to be like, he's an asshole. No, I mean, you're right. It's one of the, it's that conversation where like, you don't know what Desmond's going through. You're still trying to find out. And it's yeah. not until that conversation that you realize, okay, he left somebody at the altar to go pursue this vow of silence. And you wonder like, okay, like that was kind of a bad thing to do. And in a matter of two minutes, by the end of that conversation, you've completely flipped and you're like, no, you were better off. Yeah. You're, you're better off now having not taken that step of marrying this woman. Well, it's really interesting because she says the line, Ruth says the line at the very end. She goes, and I'm sure that if you looked up and you saw a shepherd that helped you. So glad you, you brought this up. <laughs> that you would go and follow him. And, and, you know, and then what happens? And when he opens the hatch, who's there is Jack, right? Yeah. Jack Shepard. Yep. So, yeah, that 
it's interesting, Ruth. But yes, yes, actually, he would follow Jack into uh, to, to the beach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, she says that line of like, if if you took, if you if you if the hand that you took was the hand of a shepherd, would you follow along like his sheep? And that's pretty much exactly what is happening. Jack was Jack is the shepherd, literally. Yeah, the shepherd, Jack Shepherd, and he Jack Shep is the shepherd of the flock. He's the ipso facto leader of the group right now everybody else not to call them sheep as in like sheep blindly follow but technically they're his flock i mean his you know they do people follow what jack tells him to do desmond's Mm -hmm. one of those well and he left he left and everybody started going off into their own direction and their own factions and now like when jack comes back you saw this episode jack's back but he's not all the way back right And everybody's kind of scattered around and doing their own thing. And the community is kind of like developed into what it is, right? With their Mm -hmm. own factions and whatnot. So I think that the shepherd leaving for a little bit and then coming back and he's not exactly on point anyways, you know, Desmond is that, is that sheep that's going to kind of get lost and (laughs) go wander away into the jungle. If he doesn't have a shepherd there to keep him with the flock, he's going to wander off. And that's right. kind of exactly what's happening in this episode. And maybe that, yeah, maybe that's a little, a bit of a stretch, a little heavy handed, but you know, I, I went with the theme and I ran with it. <laughs> no, I saw the same exact theme when I was watching the episode, especially when she said that line, if it was the hand of a shepherd, I'm like, Oh, look at that. That's, that's exactly adorable. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. But yeah, so I mean, we get to that point with Desmond, Charlie, Jin and Hurley taking that track into the woods following Desmond's visions. And by man, the way, great gin episode. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. Great. Gin so, so I want to say real quick, I wanted to bring this up. Um, the scene where they're camping out and Jin tells a horror story with the flashlight at the campsite is one of my favorite moments from this episode to, to not you look even, up the translation of it. I did not. Oh, you want it? Okay. So you finish what you're going to say and I, I have it. I was basically going to say that it's there are two things that come out of this. One, it's a lot of fun just seeing Hurley jump at Jin telling a story that Hurley <laughs> that Hurley can't even understand. But at the same time, Did you see how into it he was too. Yeah. Oh, he was totally engrossed. The best part, like it. Hurley's like, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, but also at the same time. It goes to show how powerful a storyteller can be in that he is Jin as a storyteller is able to is able to show and express emotion and like drama without even saying words that you can understand. It's yeah. all in his presence and his stature when he's telling this story. The flashlight. Yeah, that you still get the feeling that he's trying to put across yeah. without words. You know, and I I thought that was brilliant. It, it, I'm I want to take a guess as to what the story might be. Okay. Um, even though you probably have it in front of you, I didn't look it up. Um, it's right here. I I because by the end of that scene, we see Jin pretending to not have a hand. Uh huh. I'm. I want to say it's the story of the two people in the car yeah, and the killer in the woods with the hook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it it translates to. Uh, And the girl turned to the man who saved her and said, thank God, I was afraid you were the hook man. And the man looked at the girl with a smile and said, don't worry, little girl. My hook is 
still in your father's head. <laughs> All right. I had a feel that's what it was. And then, and then, and then afterwards, Hurley saying, man, that bird, that was a bird, right? So he obviously had no idea what the story was, but it still got him. And like, I, that's one of my favorite moments from this entire episode. I love it when, uh, when Desmond's like, okay, we'll camp here for the night. And Jen's like, camp. <laughs> Everybody loves marshmallows. <laughs> so good. Oh, Hurley. I love you. Hurley, Jin, like this was such, like this is a foursome that you didn't realize would be this much fun together. Although Desmond's kind of out of the loop. Desmond's got a mission. Charlie, Hurley, and Jin, well, more Hurley and Jin are along for the ride. Charlie kind of has a clue what's going on. Yeah. But Desmond's on a mission. Like he's off on his own. And Right. But, you know, Charlie's going with it because he likes those guys. But it's, it reminded me of, of the raft days, right? With, um, with Jin and Michael and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Jin, Michael, and Sawyer. Was that, was it just three? And then Walt. Yeah. And Walt, so. yeah. I just, that's it. I was kind of reminiscent of that when they were all yelling at each other in Korean and English trying to build the raft. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and you know, what's, what's funny too, is it's coming, we're coming up on a point where, you know, as we've been watching Jin's character progress, like he's a, to- he's already a completely different character than mm-hmm. he was when they first crashed and yeah. in the best of ways, mm-hmm. but we're getting to a point where it's almost going to be like a switches flip. Like we're watching Jin, kind of learn English. He knows some words, but there's camp. still a lot he doesn't know, like camp, camp. marshmallows, things like that. And then all of a sudden, we're going to get to a point in the story, I believe it's next season, where it, actually it might not even be till season five. I think it's season four. I think it's next season, where a switch flips. And the next time we see Jin, he speaks almost perfect English. Well, Daniel Day Kim is American, so. Yes. <laughs> We know that, but I'm talking character-wise. Like the fact that Daniel Day Kim is American and and is so convincing as as Jin, who knows zero English, and and Daniel Day Kim <laughs> went into this and he knew zero Korean. I don't know if you knew that. I did. I did. You he you've did. mentioned it to me before. Because it's amazing to me how convincing yeah. he is. Ah, I love Daniel Day Kim so much. I'm I'm really excited to see what he's going to add to New Amsterdam when that gets to start. Yeah, uh, it makes, again. makes me want to watch it. You uh, should. What, it's a great show. Anyway. There's um, so many great shows. Homeland's real good. That's what we're watching. I know. You told me. Um, save the recommendations for the end. Um, no. So, Do um, what I want. You, you mentioned, you know, sacrifice, going back to that point, too. And, you know, you, you mentioned Desmond willing to sacrifice Charlie in order to be reunited with Penny. But at the same time, his sacrifice is kind of twofold this episode because his motivation this entire episode is, okay, Charlie needs to die in order for me to be reunited with Penny. But then we, he gets to a point of morality in this episode where it's almost like what's worth more, the life of someone or being reunited with the one that I love. And he I don't know. Up, but he ends up sacrificing that chance to be reunited with Penny, at least in his mind, to save Charlie's life. Can I give you one counterpoint to that? Sure. In his vision, Charlie is helping with the parachute. I never picked up on that. So clearly he he had to have known that Charlie needed to live. He had the first aid kit in case it went wrong. Hmm. 
I never picked up on it. I never you, noticed that. When you look at when you look at the whole vision that he has, and I double checked this in my research because I was like, I was like, but Charlie was in the parachute part. And then it says in the in the fandom in the Lostpedia, it says Charlie is in the, you know, in the parachute mm -hmm. part of the vision. And I'm like, okay, yes, he was. He was in the parachute part of the vision, which meant that that part hadn't happened yet and Charlie was still there. So clearly part of uh Desmond's vision is wrong. Remember, Desmond even said the picture keeps changing. So he okay. knows. And I think that that is kind of that whole theme of fate versus free will, right? What can I change and what is ultimately fate? Charlie is going to die. But seeing that he was helping get the pilot down from the tree it, in a little clip that, that Desmond got, clearly it meant that Desmond could change that part if he wanted to of Charlie dying okay. or not. All right. Fair enough. I, I, I get that point. I never picked up on the fact that Charlie was, was in the vision helping with the parachute. So that was something that I just didn't, I, I, I didn't pay attention to. I missed it. That's what I'm here for. I know. That's why I'm glad I don't do this by myself. Cause there'd be a lot of missed points. It would just be you and your Dharma background. Yeah. By <laughs> yourself with your cats. <laughs> um, I had another point. Oh, so let's talk about the pilot because we're meeting a, <laughs> we're, we're meeting. I thought a, you meant the first episode. <laughs> no, not the first episode. We're not, we're not going all the way back to the beginning I was like, again. Huh? Why? Um, we're I'm meeting off a new, today. We're meeting a new character at this point. Um, this is not just a throwaway character as some other characters we've met in the past. This is a character who's going to become very important to, um, a majority of the remainder of this series. Mm -hmm. uh, Naomi. We're, we're meeting Naomi for the first time. And there are a lot of clues in this scene. Well, not a lot, but there is a major clue in this scene tied back to a previous season that if you saw it and you knew what it was, you knew Naomi was with Penny. Like there was no question in your mind she was with Penny. Are um, you talking about the book, the picture? The book. Okay. Uh, well, the picture in the book obviously is the is the picture of Desmond and Penny. She knew Desmond just by when she looked at him, she said his name. But the book itself is Portuguese. Uh, and if you remember correctly, at that scene at the end of season two, when we see those people in the weather station, and they call Penny to let her know that they found something, they were speaking Portuguese. Mm -hmm. So there's a connection between that book and those people in that looking in that story or in that station. Um, so connecting the Portuguese, you can connect Naomi to Penny already uh, simply with the cover of that book. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I like that little tidbit of information. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> little tidbits of information. <laughs> um, in my notes, we've kind of covered everything on a, a majority of the Desmond stuff. I'm going to turn it back over to you to see if you have anything else on it before we move on to like some of the B story and, and things like that. Well, I mean, I think that it would be wrong of us not to talk about the fact that this is the first time we see Desmond and Penny meet. Mm -hmm. um, I love the way that they meet. I love how confident Penny is that, you know, um, she's going to get him to go with her all the way to, um, where was it? Bristol or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Finding so out that monks can be fired. 
Finding out that monks can be fired. I love the fact that um, the wine was named after the mountain on which um, uh, the wine was named after the mountain on which Abraham almost sacrificed his son mm-hmm. uh, before God told him, no, that the fact that you are going to do that is sacrifice enough. And he got to keep his son and they got to go down. They sacrificed a lamb instead on top of the mountain and he came down with his son. Um, that's the story for anybody who doesn't know the story of Abraham. Um, <laughs> And that there was only 108 bottles of wine that was mm-hmm. made. There's one of the um, number of references. And that all of that wine, all 106 bottles, <laughs> 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 went to Penny and the Woodmore family, which I think is very interesting with that whole little connection to 108 and the Woodmores and the Dharma Initiative and uh, Eloise, um, Eloise Hawking. I mean, Who we th- see in there this- is a huge right. There is a huge part of this world that is about to be opened up with Eloise Hawking, Penny, Charles Widmore, Miles. Uh, no, not Miles. Daniel Faraday is coming onto the scene very shortly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're about to get a lot of really, in my opinion, really rich story. This is where I kind of like, this is my jam is when these guys <laughs> get onto the island. I love Miles. I love Daniel. Charlotte, I'm okay with. Yeah, I'm okay with Charlotte too. <laughs> I love the pilot. I just, I love all of them, you know? So and to me, the story gets really fun. It gets really confusing. And I think that that's why we ultimately started this podcast was so that we could get into the meat and bones of this section of the series. Oh, because this is where we're, yeah, you're right. We're, it's almost like these first, so in, in six seasons of this show, we kind of, you know, where, where every episode has an arc, you start with, you know, the beginning, the, the high part of the arc, which is the middle and then the end. We're approaching the arc, like mm-hmm. when it comes to the run of this series. Mm-hmm. Season three is kind of where it starts to head in a different direction. Yep. And it hits that top of the arc before maybe by like beginning of season five, which is where we're approaching the end of the series. Yeah. So yeah, now we're at that, we're getting to that high point of the series that unfortunately kind of, it starts now and kind of really starts rolling with charlie's sacrifice which is coming and then it's into next season into season four where the like it's it becomes an unstoppable boulder down a hill as far as story progression like i don't think it slows down very much part after that no and what's interesting is that is that this is kind of where we start to lose a lot of people um not us but i where where not we, but the lost fans the show start itself. to fall off. Yeah, like you can look at you can look at Walking Dead and say season seven, episode one is where they lost half their audience. Is that Negan? Yeah, yeah. And the story was still good; it just sucked for a while, right? But you can see like why it why it was there, and you can see how the story progressed, and you can see that you needed that in order to get here. Blah blah blah. I mean, you can make a lot of whatever, but it's funny because there's there's a certain point in Lost where you kind of see the same thing happen, and and, and we're about there. Um, but to me, this is my favorite part of the show. I love I love it when these guys show up. I love it when you know you get just so many different plot lines that you're like, what is going on? But that's the Game of Thrones fan in me, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's like Game of Thrones when you watch that last <laughs> season and you're like, I'm going to kill everybody in the building. Yay. Um, no, I mean, you're right. It, it, it sucks that we got to the point where um, we're getting to a point and I don't think we're there yet. I think it's, it's, we're into, getting there. It's into season four that a lot of people started to kind of bail out because they mm -hmm. saw a different direction and they weren't really crazy with it. I mean, you look at, I mean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves and we've, we haven't said it for the past couple episodes, but this is a spoiler full podcast. So, you know, if you don't know that by now, you're, you're finding it now. Um, we've talked about Charlie's death a lot. So yeah, far. <laughs> uh, not just last, not just this week, but last week, last episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's that final moment of the season uh, which is the title of this podcast. It's we have to go back. We have you to know? go back, Kate. And it's that moment like when as a viewer, you get to that point, and you're like, what the hell is going on? I need next season to start right now so I can find out. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth season started and I guess some people just weren't crazy with the direction that twist took them. So they stopped watching. Um, I, For me, I was with you. I was so intrigued by it. I watched even more intensely. Mm -hmm. I was I obsessed. Yeah. I mean, it was water cooler talk for me every Thursday mm -hmm. to talk yeah. about what happened on Lost last night. Well, yeah. And I mean, our family used to watch it um, all together. Like we'd all like switch houses and get together and we'd make dinner and then we'd sit down and we'd watch it. Like that was our routine every single week. I was living in Orange County. My parents were living down in San Diego. That didn't matter. We drove to each other's houses. We were, we were about all about lost every I, week. I used to work for a major metropolitan radio station morning show here in Philadelphia when lost was on every Thursday morning, they had a 20 to half hour minute long segment called what happened on lost oh yeah yeah you told me about that and it's it's actually how the show became friends with jj abrams and michael giacchino and terry o'quinn because they had a bunch of the they found out that they talked about it every morning and they had them on the show like mm -hmm. every they had a cast member or producer or director or writer um, or conductor or somebody related to the show on every week just to talk about what happened in the previous episode. It was basically their version of Talking Dead before Talking Dead was ever a thing. I love it. Yeah, it was great. And, I, you know, it's how I got to meet, like, the actor that played Ernst. And I got to go to watch parties because the radio station did that. Like, that's – and they did it. I think all the way through season five. I think they kind of stopped in season six because even well, they, my story even isn't that out. cool, isn't as cool as yours. But I like my story anyway. Your story is awesome. <laughs> Any story related to this is is awesome. I do. I like. I I do. Um, I have lots of really good memories attached to this show. Um, but anyways, we back to what we were talking about. <laughs> we we mentioned Eloise Hawking, mm -hmm. who is seen. In this episode. Very briefly. Um, in a very obviously photoshopped picture. <laughs> um, well. But I mean, I think that's, I think you can kind of scratch that up to, okay, they used whatever footage they had of her that they shot to kind of insert her into the picture with the, with the monk. So. I think if, it's also really hard for us to um, remember that this was 15 years ago. How long true. ago was this? 15? Uh, no. 2000, 2000, 2005, I think, was when Lost came out, wasn't it? Um, I want to say it was. Um, 
I will tell you in one second. This was in 2007, April 18th, 2007. So it was about 13 years ago. Okay. 13 years ago, we did not have the technology that we do now. And television was not given the money that it is now. True, although Lost at the time was one of the most expensive produced television shows on television. Which should tell you, seeing the Photoshop picture, has just how much money that really was. True. I mean, you look at where we are technology-wise now, 13 years later. We have a picture that's very obviously Photoshopped to now where we can make Robert Downey Jr. look... 20 years younger. I was, I see, and I was going to drogue on the dragon from Game, Game Oh, that of works Thrones. too. That works too. Because <laughs> it's still the coolest thing in the whole world is that dragon. That works too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Eloise is going to become, you know, at this point, we've seen her, um, you know, in a scene with Desmond as uh, somebody selling things, selling stuff on the, on the, on a street. Um, Eloise is a much bigger character than anybody knows at this point. Not only, not only is she the mother of a character who we haven't even met yet, but we've mentioned Daniel. Um, but she is in part, part of the whole Whitmore uh, saga and everything she's a, that happens. Yeah. She's a founding other. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. That's a much better way to put it. So she uh, yeah, spent she's, time on that island. She's a fantastic character. I'm really excited for her to start making a regular appearance. Again, we're entering into a real fun part of the show, so mm. I'm really excited about it. And and seeing Naomi again, just I I just got really excited. Like the whole time, they're like, he's like Penny, Penny. I'm like, it's not Penny, fool. It is not Penny. <laughs> See, and <laughs> not and, Penny's plane. <laughs> and and what what gets me too is I don't know if it's a show. I think. I think you mentioned you watched it before. Um, uh, the, the actress that plays Naomi, I remember from um, uh, Las Vegas. She was in Las Vegas. She was. Oh, that show. Okay, we're way off on a tangent. I know. That show ended on a cliffhanger and it, there was never another episode again. And I was so mad. I don't think the series ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it did. Was it, was it him getting shot? Yes. Okay. All right. That's right. It was him getting shot right before his daughter's wedding. And then there was never an episode and again. Was, and there was never <laughs> another episode. Yeah. And, and no one canceled, saw them again. <laughs> which sucked. You're right. Um, but yeah, so it was a lot of fun seeing Marsha Thompson pop up again because yeah. I, I had forgotten uh, you know, it again, it had been a while since I've watched, I've revisited this show. So that's why I'm enjoying going through it now because there are things I've forgotten about. I remembered Naomi. I forgot who played Naomi. Played, forgot who played Naomi. Yeah, I totally forgot that she was also in Las Vegas. I probably wouldn't have even made that connection. Um, yeah, so, and Daniel Faraday, isn't he in um, Haunting of House Hill or something like that? No, no, he wasn't Haunting of Hill House. Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't watch that show, so. (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, Oh, Henry Thomas is in that show, right? Yeah, the kid from E.T. Yeah, so I get those two mixed up a lot. I could see that. There's there's some comparison there. Um, So unless you have anything more on Desmond and such, we can kind of move on to the B story a little bit because I, I have some notes. Okay. 
on, I didn't really care about it, so um, go for it. <laughs> I want to say the B story of this, seeing, um, uh, you know, I, this B story elevated a couple characters for me, but at the same time lowered another one for is me. Is it Jack? Is it Jack? No. Oh. Jack is one of the ones that got elevated for me. Oh. Um, I was very pleased to see a friendship budding, an actual friendship budding between Jack and Sawyer. Yeah, I agree. The ping pong game is strides. Brothers. Yeah. Like that is, that is something that before all of this happened with the others would have never happened between Jack and Sawyer. Well, we talked about that last week. We talked we about did. how the, when their reunion on the beach was a more of a like brotherly reunion. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to see a little bit more of that this week, uh, yeah. you know, with the two of them playing ping pong. I mean, and there were so many great one-liners that come out of this, this segment too, with, you know, with Sawyer looking at Jack and, and Juliet saying, are you guys debating on which one is your favorite other? Oh my gosh. I, I cracked up at that. Are you guys playing? Who's your favorite other? Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that, like that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, Sawyer trying to get, Kate and saying, do you want me to make a, you a mixtape? I thought it was a great little nod. And then he gave her a tape. He gives her a tape. <laughs> don't tell if, if, if Bernard looks for this is missing, don't say anything like that was <laughs> like, that was great. And that was a great little nod too to let us know as an audience that Rose and Bernard are still there. Like everything is fine. We haven't seen them for a while. But Rose is still cancer free. We're fine. They're, they're still there. Um, but the thing about this whole, environment this this love triangle that's kind of even though it's not even really a triangle i mean we're seeing jack and juliet spending a lot of time together and what i didn't like seeing about this is kate lost some points with me this episode because it's very clear at this point that she's taking from sawyer she's using sawyer to take from him what she can't get from jack I love that Sawyer picked up on it too. And that instead yeah. of getting all soap opera butthurt about it, he's like, look, man, I'm a dude. Like yeah. if, you want, if you want it, just ask. Yeah. We'll be just fine. Exactly. You don't have to use me for it. I'll give it to you. Like right. that's basically what he's saying. I'm a willing party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, but, and one that shows Sawyer still the same old Sawyer, but he's also, he's also incredibly street smart, which is something we've known for a while anyway. Yeah. For him to pick up on that without even a clue. Um, you know, but to me, again, like Kate lost some points with me because that's like, I guess that's the way a love triangle works. I've never been in one, so I wouldn't know. But the fact that she was using Sawyer to and taking from him what she couldn't get from Jack was, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess. It was dirty. It was. It was incredibly yeah. dirty. I, yeah, I think I'll save even, you on this one. It was dirty. It was. It what? And and it's not. It didn't put her in a good light at all. And she, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing right now. She has no idea what she's doing. She doesn't even know if she even likes Jack that way. To tell you the truth, I think that she's just jealous that Jack doesn't pay all of his attention to her anymore. And it's more of an attention thing than it is an actual feelings thing. Yeah. But I think I think also what kind of affects the situation too whereas if this if this was any other random survivor 
that she did this with to kind of get her feelings out of the way, kind of break the moment from Jack. It'd yeah. be something different. But the fact that it was with Sawyer, somebody who we've grown to really love as a character at this point, both as an audience and you and I having rewatched, you know, it's the fact that like, okay, like you're using somebody that we really like. Like that's, that's you're not using kosher. my boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. Yeah. 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 You know, if this was just like Pablo or some other random survivor yeah. or Paulo, not Pablo, um, or some other random guy that she just had spent the night with to get her mind off of Jack, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, you're doing it with Sawyer, it's like, no, that's not right. You're right. That's yeah. dirty. He's my boy, Blue. Exactly. Um, I think that about covers everything I have for this episode. I don't know about you. I'm good. All right. right. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, this episode is just one of those ones that we're really starting to push towards the finale at this point with this. Um, I know your dog feels the same way. He does. Yeah. So... That's just because I can see him on the camera. Listeners if he wasn't don't in understand. my if he wasn't in in my lap right now, he'd be barking. So, <laughs> so it's better that he's in your lap. Yeah. Um, another peek behind the curtain. Um, so next week's episode, I know, is one I'm looking forward to. I really don't remember a lot of it. All I know is that it's a Gin and Son episode, well. and that's Doc. So I, I don't know if this is the one that explores her fertility. Oh, I, oh. It's, it's a good one and a bad one. It's awesome because if I remember correctly, it's the one with the sonogram. Yeah. Um, but it's also the one that Juliet um, does reveal that uh, something about sun. Something about sun. Trying to remember. I probably won't remember until I watch the episode. Yeah. That's all I'll give you. Okay. All right. I will. Again, this is an episode. The only thing I remember about this episode is this is the one where Juliet finds, she finds out whether or not she conceived on the island. So DOC is date of conception. Yeah. That's what I just said. Oh, this is the, this is whether or not she finds out. Um, she right, right. whether or not it, the baby was conceived on the island yeah. making it a very big question mark of who who's your daddy yeah pretty much yeah but but there's good news that comes out of it yes it look it's all it's all good news bad news good news bad news good news <laughs> it, all, all right. it, that that's 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 all it is oh oh did did son cheat well yeah she did but uh it's not it's not his baby. Oh, but she did get pregnant on the island, so we gotta get her off the island or else she gonna die. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's pretty much what it well, yeah, you're right. It's a double edged I mean, it's a double edged sword situation. We'll we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. We're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, or not next week, uh two episodes because we're gonna talk to MC Ganey next week. So next episode is gonna be the interview with MC Ganey, and then two episodes from now, we're gonna talk about DOC. So um, yeah, we have some feedback as we usually do. Our friends, Steve and Des have left us their usual feedback. Uh, and I know Steve even sent in a question he wants us to ask MC Ganey too. And it's, it's a good one. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll save that for next week. In the meantime, um, 
we want to encourage you guys to leave us feedback as well for any of the episodes or questions for MC Ganey, anything you want to leave us feedback on. And there are multiple ways that you can do that. First and foremost, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Twitter at lost revisit pod. And we are on Instagram at lost revisited pod. You can email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave a message, you can do so by recording it and sending it to us on whatever platform you want to send it on. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. So last week we started with Steve's voicemail. Do you want to start with Dez's email first? This yes. Week? Okay. From Dez. First of all, Dez, I miss you all the time. And uh, Dez and I have a nice little sweet heat Skittles uh, connection <laughs> and he's almost out of them. I'd like, I'd like to send him some sweet heat Skittles. If anybody knows Dez that's listening to this, please send him some sweet, sweet, sweet heat Skittles. <laughs> Okay, so from Des. Hi, guys. For an episode about Desmond, we get an awful lot of the Jack Kate Sawyer love triangle. I'm going to try and say it how he would. <laughs> when Kate tells Sawyer that Jack knows about them, she meant that they had sex, but he thinks that she meant that they're now a couple. She turns him down for an afternoon delight, but comes back later for a late night roll when she sees Jack and Juliet on a date. What is this? Love American style? You're probably too young to remember that show. Sorry. I am. I'm too young. Uh, okay, so Desmond. Does anyone else think that Ruth seemed way too young for Des in the first place? And they had dated for six years? 108 bottles of wine? I've never worked in a vineyard, but that seems like a very low number. When he's telling her how he ended up with the monks, he tells her how a man found him and took him there. He never names them. What if it was Jacob? He didn't say that it was a monk that found him. Oh, that's interesting. One last thing. Flash wins. Love you guys. Stay safe. Thank you, Des, for first off for that email. Um, and for the flash winning comment, I wanted to talk to you about true. that because you're the DC guy. Um, yeah. So I completely forgot about that. I wanted to I actually wanted to bring that up. Um, I loved that discussion because Charlie was talking out of his ass. Um, Hurley was spot on the rule there. There actually has been a race between Sp Superman and the flash. There were rules established in that they both had to run in one direction and they could not destroy anything. Suck it, Charlie. Um, and Hurley was right. Flash is able to go through walls. He's able to phase through walls. Well, so okay. So how come smashing through walls and phasing through walls is is different because phasing doesn't destroy them. So that those rules seem to be just, you know, to hinder Superman and not, not that nothing was to hinder the flash. Well, no, and you his couldn't abilities. as, as a, as a superhero, like you're not supposed to destroy things. So like you couldn't, but I mean, even in a straight up race, it's already been determined multiple times in the comic books that the flash is faster than Superman. The flash is the fastest man on the planet. Like there's no, and that includes superheroes. Like it, it's been determined. Any way you look at it, Charlie was wrong. It's been determined. It's been determined. Okay. Isn't so? I think I read somewhere that that also happens to be like the comic that Hurley has on the island. Um, I don't remember. I don't know if that's the case or not. 
the comic that he brought that was in Spanish was a Flash comic. Yes, it was. Yes. I'm wondering if it was the Flash Superman comic. I don't know. I don't think it was because I think I would have remembered that. Um, but it was a Flash comic that he did have. It's funny because if I type in Lost and Flash, it automatically goes to forward and sideways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that's... Uh, it's it's um it's it's been already well established in comic book lore that Flash is faster than Superman. So he can uh Charlie can suck it. Well there you go. And thanks Des, Des for uh the email and for confirming that. And yeah, I did I I think I had that realization but then I lost it when the the conversation started. Mm -hmm. Um Ruth does look a little young. For she Des looked like a child. She did. Like she looked like the younger sister of the woman he left at the altar. But they also tried to make Desmond look younger, but I think that they just didn't succeed. Maybe. Well, because let's not forget too the bottle, the the we know from the, the vintage on the bottle it was 1995. Because they had just bottled the wine that year, and that was the number that was the year on the bottle. So it was 1995. So, so it was 12 years prior. Yes. No. Well, no. Mm, at least 10. We know. So, yeah. So it's, you know, there's there's certain elements to the timeline. There's certain clues to the timeline. So you're right. Maybe maybe Des was supposed to be younger and they just couldn't pull it off. Yeah, because I think that like they've been on they've been on the island long enough that it's like now 2005 if they crash in 2004. Right, because they've been on the island for like 80 or 90 days and it was in September. October, November, December, January, four months. Yeah. Yeah. We, cause we know we're, we're well past 60 days at this point. So, okay. So it's like nine or 10 years later. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, probably at least, at least nine or 10 years. So, um, I think that's all I had from Dez's voicemail or Dez's email. I think those are the notes I had. I started laughing at one point because you said you were going to try and read it as Des. Um, <laughs> and I kept picturing it in Des's voice, which started making me laugh because you were kind of spot on with some of his uh, his annotations and the way he would speak. It was pretty <laughs> damn funny. Um, all right. But that, yeah. That leads us to the voicemail that we have from our buddy, Steve Brown. And we'll go ahead and play that now. Well, it's a good thing a buddy shepherd didn't help you up. Because you'd be off with the sheep. Yeah, I can't I can't do a Scottish accent. <laughs> Not at all. Hey, Kristen and Ben, it's Steve. And uh, I'm recording a couple of thoughts as I'm watching the second time through. And I just, watching the scene with Desmond uh, drunk on the wine, and I realized there's a lot of people trying to swap, swapping germs or trying to, trying to swap germs in this one. Kate licks the spoon and then gives it back to... Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Desmond tries to slide the bottle, the bottle after he takes a drink of it over to the other, the other monk. So I just maybe it's because of what's going on that I noticed those things. But <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. And which spoon did he give Juliet? Oh. Dude, even if I spoke Korean, it wouldn't make sense. Love Hurley in this episode. I love that I noticed the J.J. Abrams lens flare when Hurley yeah. says the Flash in this. I noticed it the first time. I rewatched it and then I actually rewound it to go, did I just see what I thought I saw? And sure enough, there's a flash across Hurley's face as soon as he says the words, the flash. And just everything about Hurley in this episode is, is really, really good. We get the whole idea of 
Desmond coming to him because he's in in the vision, and then he's the one who he just kind of says, "Come on, I'll, I I can convince Jen," and it's really really kind of cool. And uh, was that a little high school between high school, or maybe I don't know between Sawyer, Kate, and and Jack and Juliet there? I I don't know, but uh, just throwing some kind of random thoughts out now that I've finished watching it. And of course, uh, the the highlight of the episode is the meet cute between Desmond and and Penny there with the wine. And uh, who's going to accompany Brother Martin into town now? If he's going with Penny, aw. And uh, I, I just remembered, or I think I remember now, why the woman uh, in the parachute thing has the picture. But that's for later. Talk to you later. I, I ne- thanks, Steve, for the voicemail. I never picked up on the J.J. Abrams lens flare. I'm now oh, no? going to have to go back and watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I thought that it was an error with the show, but I didn't know that that was like a J.J. Abrams thing. But oh, I did I did notice it. J.J. is notorious for, for the lens flare. Um, if you've ever seen like his Star Trek remake, um, they're all over the place in that Well, movie. I'm not a cinephile. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Shut up. <laughs> um, and no, and you're absolutely right, Steve. It was totally high school. Those guys, you know, it, it, it's it's a total high school thing, and the, you know, the I meat, do. I. It's so funny cute. that he says that. It's so funny that Steve mentioned about the whole like swapping of spit because the same two instances when I was watching the episode, I it I picked up on it as well, and those are things that I just probably wouldn't have picked up on like six months ago. I didn't even pick up on them this time. Uh, I'm so weirded out about what people are doing with their bodily fluids these days. Like I won't go into restaurants anymore. And like we we've had a couple gross experiences since, you know, the whole takeout thing has, has started. And I'm just like, you guys just at least pretend that you care about what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so thanks for that that feedback. And uh, as again, like we said, uh, we encourage anybody to leave us feedback before um, before the next episode, uh, especially now with MC Ganey coming on next week. Have I mentioned MC Ganey's coming on next week? I think I've, <laughs> I think I've mentioned it enough. Oh, really? Is that is that who's going to be here? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. That's all. Um, it's gonna be fun. It's going to be a great time, especially having already talked to him. Like, I already know what to expect. It's just going to be a blast. Can we Zoom call him? No, because he's so not in tune with technology. I, when I talked to him before, he's like, Ben, I didn't even realize you could put Skype and Zoom on the same computer. That really makes me <laughs> happy to know that that exists for an other. <laughs> <laughs> he is... If you listen to that to that previous interview I had, I, I think he's more like an other than he even realizes. Like he he told me he is total like he's a total toes in the sand. Like he goes bare feet barefoot whenever he can. Like that's how he is. He even told me that even though it was a phone interview and I couldn't see him, he put shoes and pants on for the interview. Oh, that's so cute. And I told him, I was like, you didn't even have to tell me that. Like you could have been like, you could have been porky pig in it. And I would have never even known it. He's like, I've since taken my shoes off. (laughs) He's like, cause I'm just that comfortable. (laughs) Like, all right. I'm like, that's good. 
So I can't wait to talk to him. He's going to be so much more. He's going to be so much fun to talk to him again. Um, recommendations for this week. Anything you want to recommend to the people? Homeland. I know. I knew that. Actually, I do want to, I did want to recommend something. What was it? Oh, come on. Oh, okay. We were talking earlier about, I forget what we were talking about, but it made me think of what I've been really looking forward to every Tuesday night. So on Tuesday night, if you're a fan of Sons of Anarchy or Kurt Sutter, just as a writer, uh, a showrunner, he is who he uh, he wrote and created the show Sons of Anarchy. So his Instagram handle is at Sutter Inc. And every Tuesday night, well, a couple days before that, I forget he does he does a call out for anybody that has a question about any of his behind the scenes anything. You can ask him anything. And then on Tuesday night, he takes all of these questions and he usually takes like 15 or something like that. And he, asks, and he posts them in his Instagram stories and then he answers every single one. And, and it's just, if you're a fan of Sons of Anarchy or just a fan of Kurt Sutter, I highly recommend on Tuesday nights going to his Instagram stories and just watching them all because I love the extra information. I love getting kind of like, how he thinks about stuff and what his intentions for some of the um, unanswered questions of Son- Sons of Anarchy are. And um, just kind of his, just his philosophies on show running just in general. It, it's just been one of those um, happy accidents that I've stumbled into in, in, in the time of quarantine. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I was not a big Sons of Anarchy fan. <clears throat> um, I know. Uh, so but, good. But it doesn't mean I still won't check it out. Yeah, I mean, I his, his Instagram story. Um, I have two recommendations this week. Uh, cool. one, is, one is another podcast. Um, uh, there is, if you were ever a fan of the television show Community, uh, and you know of the actors Joel McHale and Ken Jeong. Join uh, bed in the morning. <laughs> uh, Joel and Ken uh, do a podcast together now called The Darkest Timeline. It is not a community rewatch as like the office ladies do and such. They do talk about community a lot because that's how they met. Um, but they do talk about a lot of real life stuff. Uh, Ken Jeong was a doctor before he became an actor. So he's been covering a lot of COVID-19 information oh, and things fun. like that. Yeah, it's... And he has even said on the podcast, he's like, look, he's like, I'm very open on Twitter. He's like, if anybody tweets at me and asks me, something they legit need to know about COVID and how to react to it. He's like, I will answer every tweet that comes in about it. So as funny as that man is, he's very serious about all of this that's going on right now. Well, he's a doctor. Yeah. So, and they, they started this podcast amid the pandemic. Like they, they talked about wanting to do it for a while. And then it took the pandemic happening for them to actually start it. Um, but it's so much fun. Like they've had the entire cast of community on as well as a number of other people. So it's still relatively new. I think there's maybe only about 10 episodes out right now, but it's, it's something worth checking out. It's pretty cool. Uh, television wise, there is a new show that just debuted a couple weeks back on Apple TV uh, called defending Jacob. It is Chris Evans. Oh, I'm in. Yeah, it's and it's a drama. It's not a comedy. It is about he is um he is a lawyer and a father who is um living with the aftermath of his 14 year old son being accused of murder, mm. and it's everything he's going through, like trying to 
disprove, you know, trying to prove his son's innocence. But in the meantime, there are clues saying like maybe his son is an innocent of this and him trying to deal with the realizations of that. And it's, you still don't know to this point, there's only been seven episodes and there's eight total. So there's still one more episode next week. And Chris Um, Evans is the dad. Chris Evans is the dad. And I, I as much as I love him as Captain America and I can't see anybody else in that role, I love seeing anything when he gets an opportunity to break away from that. Um, Knives Out, I thought was a fantastic movie. Totally so good. Totally so different good. character. This is something, again, completely different from Captain America, and it's fantastic. Did you hear that they're going to make another Knives Out? Yes, and it's around um, Daniel Craig's character. I'm real excited. He's going to investigate another murder, which I Can't think is wait. the right way to go. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, for you, Kristen, Defending Jacob is on Benflix. Uh, if you want to check it out. I was going to ask you after we were done. <laughs> it, it, I figured you would, so I'm just telling you now it's on Benflix. Okay. Um, but anybody else that's on Apple TV, check it out. It, the show is so damn good. It's really good. So That's exciting. Yeah. Cool. Um, but I think that's going to wrap it up for... Um, for this episode of the podcast again uh next week our conversation with next episode our conversation with mc gainey followed by doc the week uh the episode after so um unless you have any final notes no all right i think Uh, people are really mean these days i think people should start being nicer i agree i 100 percent agree um the world has become too political oh really has it's real bad it's real bad right now um, and it's it's not, unfortunately, being an election year, it's not going to lighten up at I all. I know, usually the Olympics make it for a sustainable, um, tolerable year during election years. But mm-hmm. you know what we have? We have each other. We have this podcast. We have our families. We have our friends. I have books and books and books and books and flour. I have flour. Hey, I've yeah. hit, I have like 30 pounds of flour. Yeah, I have so much flour. flour right now. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't have rye though. If anybody has rye, you can send it to me. Thanks. I will look for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with that being said, thank you for listening. As always, make sure you check out further episodes. Leave us feedback, anything you want to do. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! <laughs>